It's the Geeky Waffle Podcast. Today we are talking about Netflix's Heartstopper. I'm Arzu, and with me is our waffle writer and resident Alice Oseman expert, Chelsea. Hi. So this is, first of all, very exciting because we're recording in the same room. What? And I'm very excited about that because I have not seen Chelsea in years. Thanks, COVID. (laughs) Yes. October 2018 was the last time we saw each other in person. July 2019. Was it? I was here for the weekend. (gasps) I forgot about that. Yeah. It was a really short weekend. (laughs) We had one full day. It feels like it's been a decade. It has been a decade. Yeah. 2020 to 2022 is officially a decade of my (laughs) life. But we are here today. I'm very excited. We are talking about the new Netflix show Heartstopper, um, which came out a couple weeks ago. And yeah, so you introduced me to Alice Oseman. Yes. Um, I was like peripherally aware of -hmm. this before. Mm -hmm. But how did you get into, into Alice Oseman? I kind of stumbled into it because I actually, I have a book subscription box and I got an arc for volume two of the Heartstopper graphic novel series. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I mean, I can't read volume two without volume one, obviously. Obviously. So I'm like, you know what? I'll just buy volume one. And I loved it. And then it was like waiting several months for volume three, volume four. And it was really like the perfect pandemic read because it's so wholesome <laughs> and sweet and there's just so much you know negativity out there with covid and there you know i'm all for like drama shows and and sci-fi and all this kind of stuff but sometimes you just need something sweet that you know doesn't stress you out at all and um and so reading the graphic novels was just like this is nice. I can just like chill. Yeah. <laughs> and then hearing that they were making a show, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> a show where I can just chill. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Like that's one thing I really liked about Heartstopper was it's not drama for the sake of drama. Mm-hmm. It's not the kind of same forced contrived dramas that they come up with for teen series. Cause this is a young adult series. It's all set in a boy's school and a girl's school respectively. And it, it's just like there is drama as teens kind of struggle yeah. to come to terms with their own feelings, but there's none of that contrived, like not talking to somebody for the sake of not talking to them yeah. or for prolonging the conflict, which honestly, I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like pretty well put together for teenagers. Yeah. I was not this emotionally <laughs> uh, sound right. at 15. <laughs> Well, obviously the bullies of the show are not emotionally sound, but no, I mean, otherwise the main characters are like pretty mature. Yeah, they really got it together. (laughs) (laughs) I'm jealous. (laughs) So for those who who need a refresher or who don't know, um, Heartstopper is the story of Charlie and Nick, who are two teenage boys, um, 10th and 11th grade, respectively, um, who meet at Truham Boys School Mm -hmm. in England. And... Charlie is gay. Charlie is out. Um, and he sort of develops a crush on Nick, who is a year older than him. Mm-hmm. And the early episodes are kind of him questioning whether or not Nick is even going to be interested in him. Yeah. And, and then Nick on the yeah. other side wondering, do I like boys? What does that mean? Yeah. So, so yeah. So that is the, they are the heart of the story. Yep. 
like it does focus out on their friends a little bit, which you were telling me doesn't happen until later in the books. Yeah. I guess that's a nice, a nice kind of extension, but yeah, I think that's one of the ways in which I think the kids are really, they have it together is that they come to terms with their own sexuality much quicker than I think right. we're used to seeing in media and that I think our generation would have. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of the benefit that this, you know, younger generation has these days just in general and not just in the show is that so many older generations have come before them opening doors so that now um, the younger generation is just like, it's normal for Mm -hmm. people to come out and, you know, to have different sexual identities and it's totally cool. I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, that was not a thing when I was in school. No, me, me neither. We didn't like, we didn't have the vocabulary for a lot of stuff. And I think we were kind of dealing with the residue of like the older generation where yeah, we definitely said stuff that I don't think any of us would stand behind now. Yeah. Sort of held opinions that I don't think we'd stand behind now. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know that there was anybody who was openly gay in my school. There were people like we suspected maybe, but. There were a couple of boys in my school that were openly gay. And it was like, unfortunately, it was like a thing. Mm. Like it was the thing people said about them. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's the early 2000s. Yeah. So, I mean, they do with a little bit of that pushback in the show with some people uh, being homophobic. And so that's kind of one of the themes is like getting through the bullying. Um, But for the most part, people seem to be more like they they have more peers that are queer now yeah. than we ever did in school. I mean in retrospect we probably had quite a few peers but it wasn't who who were who were queer but they there weren't out they weren't out there wasn't yeah. that kind of environment for them yeah to come out. Yeah. And that's the nice difference with yeah. Heartstoppers that that yeah. is very much Yeah. There's still progress to be made though. Oh of definitely. course. Um, no, I'm definitely not saying <laughs> that the troubles are over but yeah yeah and this show this show has two primary bullies mm-hmm. there's um one guy who is probably like a closet bisexual yeah um because he has a girlfriend but he is very much interested in kissing charlie but only in secret yeah and he he pushes back quite violently whenever yeah. that complacency he has built for himself is, is threatened yeah yeah. He doesn't want people to know that he might like boys. Um, so that's Ben. Is that's that Ben. We hate Ben. But the, the actor who plays Ben seems really, really nice. And he's posted on Twitter about, like, how much he does not like the character. Yeah. No, I, don't, I didn't think he was. So, like, all of, like, fans on Twitter are like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry you had to play such a like, mean character. Because <laughs> you're so nice. <laughs> So at least all the fans are like really love him. Good because that's always guaranteed. Like people tend to act out against the actor, yeah. and it's like they're just doing their job. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other bully is Harry, who's just violently homophobic. Oh yeah, I mean, just I mean, it's like textbook homophobic. Yeah, almost like, almost like a cartoon bully. Yeah, like it's you know, he'll say things like, it's just a joke. Why can't you take a joke? And then he'll say these things and I'm like, I feel like even in my generation that kind of stuff wouldn't fly. Yeah, a bit over so, the top. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I think part of it just seems like his personality is like 
wanting to be the star of the show and like whatever will get him laughs he will do yeah one of those and he doesn't pe- realize that people are like awkward laughing and not necessarily totally because nobody else makes those comments like they laugh at his jokes but he's the only one actually saying those things yeah because like i feel like they just want to be in his circle mm-hmm. and he takes this kind of validation as people agree with me yeah and it just sort of furthers the hatred yeah that's not to say that that's the focus of the show, though, because no. um, Charlie does have quite a large friend group that does eventually absorb Nick into their yes into their bubble, and it's yes. it's really like quite a sweet, supportive, very straightforward, like not straightforward, but very like emotionally honest friend group. Yes. So we have um, Isaac, who's new for the show, who was created for the show. Yes. Um, then we have Tao who is like Charlie's number one best friend. Yes. Who I had a very hard time getting a read on because Tao, his thing ultimately being that he doesn't like change. He doesn't want to lose his friend group. Yeah. I read that as he is interested in Charlie and is jealous initially. And then I'm like, I don't think that's where this is going. No, he's really protective because when Charlie came out, it was accidental. Mm -hmm. I think in the books, they say the reason is actually because Tao was talking about it with someone that he was allowed to talk about it with, but somebody overheard. Right. And so it got out into the school. And so Tao feels really bad about it. And so he's really overprotective of Charlie. And like, it's, you know, cause the previous year he had to help him deal with bullies quite a lot. Right. And so now he's like, you know, don't fall for this straight boy. Cause he's only going to hurt you. Um, so he like has blinders on where he's like only sees people as bullies okay because i did get the sense that like i i guess that would have been a helpful thing to have in the show because i got the sense that his overprotectiveness had more to do with himself than it did with charlie like it's not so much that he he's worried about charlie getting hurt he does it was just he himself didn't want to lose him as a friend like too yeah but i thought that was his soul drive yeah well because i mean he, he felt like their friend group was fracturing a little bit since l moved to the girl school right um but yeah i mean it's kind of layered i guess (laughs) yeah so i guess my one critique then i'm glad i didn't read the book beforehand because then i would have known this and my brain would have just filled in the information yeah (laughs) but i guess that would be my one critique was maybe season two will flesh him out a bit more yeah flesh tau out i mean yeah so the this season one covers volume one and two of the graphic novels and so next up in the story is they all it's summer break and there's a big school trip to Paris. Ooh. And so then there's a lot more like social interaction because right. they're not going to school. They're like out and about doing social things. The teenagers set loose in Paris. <laughs> yeah. What could go wrong? Yeah. So there's a lot more like overlap with the girls and the boys and stuff like that. So we get to see that play out which is nice. And we get to see more of like the girl side with, we have the characters Tara and Darcy who are, they kind of call themselves the, the girl school lesbians that are the only ones who are out. And what's great about the show is that we actually get to see them come out as a lesbian couple. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in the book, they are, they're more like background characters. We see them in a couple scenes together and we find out that they're a couple, but it's like already established that they're a couple. And we don't get to see, like actually spend time with them really until volume three when they all go to Paris. Yeah. So in the show, having space for them to like, 
come out and see the struggles that they're going through because they're getting bullied. Well, you know, the girls calling them gross for being lesbians, even though they were really nice to them the day before. Yeah. <laughs> um, they weren't lesbians the day before. Yeah. So um, it was really nice to get to know those characters a lot sooner than we did in the books. Yeah. Um, Elle included in that. She's a wonderful character and getting to see her dynamic of like her previous friend group of Charlie and Tao and Isaac and then her new friend group of her and Darcy and them kind of melding together. Yeah. It's really nice. I think that's one thing by and large, like y'all heard me complain about this in Bridgerton, but there's one thing like by and large that I like with Netflix adaptations of a series is like, if it focuses very largely on one couple or one person, if they like broaden that out a bit mm-hmm. to like their surroundings, yeah, because just from a technical standpoint, when you move into future seasons, if I, if I don't know them, I'm going to care less. Right. So especially if you tell me like, they've always been there. Like, well, no, they haven't. So <laughs> it's like Eloise. <laughs> yeah. And Bridgerton. No, Francesca. <laughs> oh, Francesca. Yeah. Right, right. So we right, get to sorry. Francesca, it's going to be like, here's her love story. And everyone's going to be like, who? <laughs> so <laughs> that's the kind like next season. She'll be around next season. But <laughs> anyway, before we spiral into Bridgerton. So you have read the books then. Yes. Uh, as much as has come out already. Yes. So I know it's easy to just say the book is better than the movie, or in this case, the show. Mm-hmm. But do you feel that that's true? I feel like they're good parallels. So one thing I found interesting that, so Alice Oseman, at this point, this was her first graphic novel mm-hmm. um, before she had just done YA novels. And she said that she pretty much had to write Nick and Charlie's story as a graphic novel because there wasn't a solid A to B to C plot. Right. And that's really what I got from the books was like, the books are like mostly vibes. <laughs> right. Like the really cute vibes of Nick and Charlie. And then you have the, the themes of being the bullying and mental illness that go on. But I just loved the focus on the characters. Like she, in her artwork, she really focuses on like facial expressions and like chemistry between characters using different effects. And so it's like, yeah, it's just such a great feeling to read them. And then the show, I think they really kept that because they kept Alice Oseman on as the creator and writer, screenwriter for the show. So it was, you know, pretty much exactly what she envisioned for it. Right. And she got to, you know, fill in the gaps of things that a show needs that a book doesn't necessarily need. So I just, I, I love that she was there for every day of filming through the whole process. So it really feels like it's her heart and soul. And she's got it. a cameo in the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's very exciting. <laughs> very last episode. They're on a train and she is there and her artwork is behind them behind both of their seats on the train. Yeah. And so that was really exciting. I like that. Um, it's not always guaranteed that when you bring an author in to get mm-hmm. involved in kind of adaptation of their work, that they're going to, I don't want to say that they're going to do a good job, but that they won't be precious about their book. And right. like, you have to adapt it exactly the way it's written. Yeah. Like, no, you know, she did take the opportunity to expand on it yeah. and kind of flesh it out a bit. Like um, Lemony Snicket and series of first events is another good example of that. Mm-hmm. Like him coming onto the TV series. So, so I like appreciated that. And I was, I wasn't really paying attention to the credits in the beginning, but I was surprised to find she was, mm-hmm. she's the writer yeah. on the show. Yep. I'm like, okay. 
No wonder it's mostly vibes, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like there are little conflicts within the episodes, but yeah. it's it's very much a no no conflict, only vibes <laughs> kind of thing. Much. Which honestly I think we all need right now. Yes. So it's not the worst thing. This is the best pandemic show. It really it's is. Non-stressful. And then yeah, as a book reader, I loved there's like tie-ins basically. So like the the title pages for each episode have little drawings on them and it's all Osman's drawings, like drawing style. And um, like in the books, um, they're all in black, white, and turquoise, all of her drawing. Mm -hmm. And so in the show, the primary color palette is turquoise and orange. And so you see turquoise and orange everywhere in the show, like on the walls, in, you know, dishes, and there's drawers. and In the uniforms, the school uniforms. Yeah, school uniforms. I mean, it's everywhere. And I love it. I just, it's just like a... A nice touch, like a carryover from yeah. the books. I like that. Yeah. So let's talk cast. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the cast. This is a phenomenal cast of young people. It is. So Chelsea and I have decided that Kit Connor and Joe Locke, so Kit Connor being Nick and Joe Locke being Charlie, we are adopting them. Yes. We love them. They're our sons. <laughs> um, but like, seriously, they are so, so good. They carry so much. In what I texted Chelsea to very frustratedly say that it's it's hard because I tend to not look at the screen all the time. And a lot of this is text-based. Mm-hmm. Like they text each other a lot. And they somehow carry this relationship through very strongly just like via their expressions, via their body language. Like they do a really, really good job. They both really of them, do. And they should both be commended for it. Yeah. So the guy that plays Nick, um, Kit... He is a somewhat experienced actor. I mean, they're only like 18 years old, but uh, he's been in um, His Dark Materials, Guernsey Literary Potato Peels Pie Society. He's in Rocket Man. Rocket Man. <laughs> so he's he has a bit of uh, experience. And Joe Locke, who plays Charlie, is brand new. This is the first Oh wow! Thing that he's ever done, which is really impressive. Yeah, like <laughs> the the emotional center of the show. Yeah, and um, then when it comes to Nick's character, so his mom is played by Olivia Coleman, which which nice. honestly <laughs> was wild. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, it's just uh... when he finally like talks to her about his sexuality, mm-hmm. and she is so loving and accepting of it. I was just like, I am so jealous that you get to, like, hug him as he's telling you these things. It is so adorable. I want to hug him, too. So she actually said when they were talking to them about filming this mm-hmm. this last scene. So he was feeling kind of intimidated, obviously, at yeah. having to do all this in front of, you know, Academy Award winner Olivia yeah. Coleman. But for her part, like, as soon as he kind of launched into his speech, kind of coming out to his mother, she just burst into tears. Yeah. And they had to like break and she had to hug him. And then, then they like, I guess they did it again. But so, you know, the kids got skills. Yeah. Moved yeah. Olivia Coleman to tears. It's just a sweet scene. It's it really so nice. is. And I'm really glad. I think she, she really played that character well. And because if this show uh, gets renewed, which I, mean, I hope so, it better. Yeah. 
Nick's brother is homophobic, mm-hmm. but she's a really rallying point for Nick to like, you know, be like, no, like, shut up. <laughs> and I, it's one of those things where like, you have this expected tension in your mind just based on other media. So when Nick's mom is telling him like, oh, you know, like you'll meet a special girl one day. And mm-hmm. like, you always liked Pirates of the Caribbean because you had such a crush <laughs> on Keira Knightley and like stuff like that. You know, you're ex- like, she's putting this on him and you're kind of expecting her to push back when he does eventually come out mm-hmm. as, as bi, but she just doesn't. Yeah. Like, this is just the thing she thought she knew about her kid. And it's not untrue. Yeah. You know, probably did have a crush on Keira Knightley, but like, she's just kind of, okay, I've got this information. I'm taking in this new information about you and I'm not trying to put you back in the box I yeah. had built for you. Yeah. And that was like one of those moments of tension that I thought was going to happen and it didn't. Yeah. It was so nice. Yeah. It was very much took me by surprise, but in like yeah. a really good way. And I also just liked the fact that they included Pirates of the Caribbean as, yes, this is like a bi awakening movie. Honestly. <laughs> like if it wasn't Pirates of the Caribbean it was like the mummy like <laughs> right that very specific era for, for a generation of if you are by one of these movies will will bring it out in you oh, yeah. who do I like more Kara Knightley or Orlando Bloom I mean yeah gosh what a choice <laughs> yeah so great acting all around really I'm excited about the, so the, the art teacher, uh, Mr. Ajayi, I think is how you say his name. Yeah. If we get another future season, which I'm not like jinxing it by saying that so many times, he gets a little romance. Ooh. Yeah. So that would be really cute. It's so we've got to that. Yep. For season two. Yep. There are so many things. I'm like, I want more Tori also. Tori is Charlie's sister. She's Ace. And she is kind of like a, I want to say like a, almost like a gothic fireball because she's just, (laughs) she has such like, um, sarcastic energy. Yeah. (laughs) She has a tendency to appear just behind Charlie. Yeah. And the camera will just pan to her and she's suddenly there. I kept expecting jump scare music every time (laughs) she showed up. Like, just sipping her lemonade, yeah. offering a dry comment, and then walking away. Yeah. <laughs> She's amazing. If you want to see more of her, she is the primary character in Alice Oseman's very first YA novel, Solitaire. So, yeah, she's great. I really hope to see more of Tori. Yeah. And what else would I want for a season two? Just more of the game, really. Yeah. yeah. More of their adventures, more of their... Mm-hmm their little blossoming romances mm-hmm. and coming to terms with their feelings and more of a great soundtrack they did some great yes they had some great music choices yeah i'm not much of a music person so i hadn't heard any of these songs before. oh no they were all brand new well also because they were all like uk artists i think or right most of, most of them were at least which is nice and like they were yeah. kind of they were kind of literal in terms yeah. of the lyrics and like what was happening on screen I but i think that. that's okay yeah I yeah it. yeah I it worked it worked for it yeah yeah because, like, when you're a teenager, like, that's how you think. You think in song lyrics. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I like that that kind of got... It almost, like, reminded me of what it's like to be a teenager and yeah. so literally transcribe the lyrics of what yes. I'm listening to to what I'm experiencing. Exactly. Thank you, Netflix, for that. <laughs> <laughs> if people are listening to this and somehow have not watched the show yet, we highly encourage you to do so. Mm-hmm. But would you recommend people read the book first, watch the show first? I think... I mean, normally I'm one of those people who's like, 
read the book first because the book is gospel. But (laughs) (laughs) in this case, I think either or is fine because if you read the books first, you get a little bit more and like background on like Tao, for example, and his motivations for what he does. Right. But you also don't get as much time with Tara and Darcy and Elle. So that's something that the show does really well. Um, so I, honestly, either one is fine, especially because it's such like a vibes driven story rather yeah. than a plot driven story. Um, there's not like, you know, huge plot points that they're missing, you know. Or, like, going, you know, off kilter with something just because it's a show, necessarily. Looking at you, Bridgerton. (laughs) But, yeah, so I think either one first is is perfectly fine. And then if you're, like, super into Nick and Charlie's story, there are also two novellas that are just in prose form that Alice Wiseman has put out as well. There's one that covers, like, in the middle of volume four of the graphic novels, there's a little time gap on Christmas Day. And so there's a novella that's specifically for that day. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a novella that skips two years into the future when Nick is graduating. And so Nick and Charlie are dealing with the feelings about Nick going off to college and leaving Charlie behind since he's a year younger. Right. And then... um, Tao and Elle have that issue too because Elle is a year older than Tao. Right. And so they're trying to figure things out as well. Um, so that's like a great flash forward into what their future is like. Aww. A little bit more mature, becoming adults. <laughs> the babies are all grown up. Mm-hmm. Final thoughts on Heartstopper. I think it's very sweet. And if you need a bingeable thing or a mm-hmm. post workday yeah. treat to just kind of unwind from mm-hmm. how heavy everything else is. I feel like this is a great way to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's eight episodes, like 25 minutes each. Yeah, so I really mean, not like long. three and a half hours or so it's, it's not a whole lot. And I, I mean, for me, when I was, I took notes while I was watching and the first time that I watched it all the way through was just me like, in all caps, be like, oh my god, there's so gas! <laughs> <laughs> and it was just pretty much, yeah, all exclamation points, all vibes, all feelings. And then I had to, like, watch it a second time to be like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me, like, actually pay attention to, like, stuff in the background. What's going on? <laughs> it was extremely sweet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I couldn't watch all eight episodes back to back to back. Because I was smiling so much and my face hurt. (laughs) (laughs) That's how sweet this show is. It really, really, like we, I think we need more stuff like this, honestly. I agree. I hope this is well enough that we get more. Yeah. Like not everything has to be dramatic or like rated R, you know, sweet stuff is good too. And Alice Oseman said that she specifically wrote this graphic novel series and want to do the show for teenagers. Yeah. Teenagers are the primary audience, not adults. And so I really appreciate that too. Like getting on their level and being able to like open up conversations about being queer and you know what that's like being in high school and coming out. And even for like college students who are, you know, that close to that age as well. That said, I think adults could get a lot 
from this. Yes. Oh, definitely. If you, you know, are a parent, you're looking to like open a conversation with your kids Mm -hmm. or just kind of be receptive to that kind of conversation with your kids. Or honestly, honestly, you just want something really sweet to watch for a couple hours. Yeah. Dead Heart Stuff is the way to go. And it's not like a lot of high school shows are kind of cringy, awkward, and it's not like that. That's the other thing is it's really rooted in like actual high school. Mm-hmm. It's not like, like I know Riverdale did a time jump, but pre-time jump, you've got like high school juniors owning speakeasies and like <laughs> going to actual literal prison and getting into gang fights and like fighting a bear or whatever it was Archie did. Like, <laughs> you know, you're, you're at that level and it's like, well, no, that's not yeah. what high school is. Yeah, and, like I get realistic. that it's very dramatized, but this isn't isn't yes. that degree of dramatized right yeah this is much more realistic things that kids actually go through yeah <laughs> very very like real in that sense yeah yeah and i really appreciate that yeah with that um if you'd like to find chelsea on twitter you can find her at chelsea fairless if you want to find me on twitter i am at arzu Collectively as a network, we are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at the geeky waffle. And we are at also at the geeky And that's where you can find all of our book reviews, TV reviews, a whole bunch of lovely Alice Oseman reviews, courtesy of Chelsea. And we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash the geeky waffle. And that's where you can get things like access to our discord server and waffles after dark. I think that's going to do it for us and stay geeky.